Hello, my friends. I'm back from Davos, Switzerland and the World Economic Forum. I'm going to take you through one story that I haven't done yet, which is how the other media reacted to us, what they said and did to us. And I think it's one of the most important stories. So stay with me. But first, go to rebelnewsplus.com and click subscribe. It's only eight bucks a month. It's the video version of this podcast. Oh, you've got to do it today. I want to show you how these other journalists reacted to us. Go to rebelnewsplus.com, click subscribe, eight bucks a month. Thanks very much. Here's today's show. Tonight, I'm back from the World Economic Forum, but I'll be thinking about what I saw for a long time. It's January 23rd, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Shame on you, you censorious bug. Boy, I'm glad to be back in Canada to finally sleep in my own bed again. I'm a little bit jet-lagged. I got up at 5 a.m., because, uh, you know, I was set on Davos, Switzerland time. It's nice to be home, but I really am proud about what the whole team did covering the World Economic Forum. I'm sure you've been to our website, wefreports.com. Last I checked, we had published more than 40 stories there, some of them written, most of them video stories. I was there. Our new British reporter, Callum Smiles, was there. And Calvin Robinson from GB News was with us, too. And we had a whole behind-the-scenes team, which was so very important. The world is very interested in the World Economic Forum. Uh, there were a few other independent journalists that we saw on the ground. If you remember my old friend Savannah Hernandez, who came with Rebel News last year, she was with her own team this year another reporter named Morgan, and about three support. So she was doing great. Our friend Andrew Lawton from True North was there. He actually had access to some of the restricted areas, which was pretty amazing. Uh, I think I told you that I met a young lady from Japan called Masako Ganaha, if I'm saying her name right. She she was one of my favorites, just the nicest person you'd ever meet, um, like the opposite of our style, very polite. But she did some great journalism. And there were a few others I met. Most of them were very familiar with Rebel News and were excited to see us. And if I do say, I think they were inspired by us. That's what Masako told us. I know that the world was hungry for this because one of the ways to measure is how many people watched our stuff. And as of this afternoon, and the numbers are surely higher by now, 20 million people saw our scrum of the Pfizer CEO, Albert Bourla. Five million watched the 20-minute long, you could even call that a mini documentary, on Greta Thunberg. That is a lot of people, 25 million. That's just two videos because we had a lot of other videos too. There's a huge interest in the real stories, and I feel like Rebel News really owned owned the place. And I think, in fact, our Albert Bula CEO of Pfizer story really was the number one story coming out of the World Economic Forum. So that was the independent journalists. Half a dozen of us, or maybe a few more. There was seven in the rebel team, and then there was Andrew Lawton and his cameraman and the, and the others I mentioned. But there were hundreds of regime journalists and by that, I mean exactly what it sounds. They had the official pavilions that they spent hundreds of thousands or even millions of dollars for. They, uh, the people that we scrummed on the streets, 
Greta Thunberg, Albert Bourla, they had all done mainstream media interviews. Um, but none of them were asked accountability questions. So every person we scrummed, whether it was Larry King or John Kerry or Albert Bourla or Greta Thunberg, they, it's not like we were the only person asking them questions. We were the only people asking them real questions, not PR questions. Now, I don't want to rehash that with you again, because if you've been watching my show over the past week, you've seen me refer to these things several times, and I'm sure you've had enough. You can go to WEF reports to see all our work if you haven't had enough. I am very proud of what we've done there. But what I want to talk about today is the mainstream media and us. Because I think there were about three or four or five incidents there that are all part of a theme. One of the first things that happened to us, it was to my friend Avi Amini, he got into a kind of tussle with CNBC, which is obviously part of NBC, uh, and he threatened to clock Avi. Here, take a quick look at that. So can I ask you what CNBC is doing here? No, you can't, I can't ask you? No, you can't. I'd rather you didn't put a camera in my face, thank you. Really? But you're here as an invited guest and you're an editor for CNBC. Don't you think that's a bit of a conflict of interest? I'd like you to go away. I haven't, I haven't agreed to an interview. If you're doorstepping me, like, go away. Seriously, take your don't, don't touch the mic. Don't, but, away from me, you're, meant to speak to, you're meant to be speaking truth to power. Are you here just to take your marching orders? Is that what you're here for? Do you want to go away? Not really. I'm here to do what you should be doing. Yeah? Please take this out of my mouth. I'm going to have you escorted off on security. All right. Do that. There you go. CNBC. Their job is supposed to be doing what he's complaining I'm doing. And now he's calling security to escort me off the premises. Well, what's the problem? You're my problem. You've been very rude to me this morning. You I haven't asked me anything, so I'd like you to take the camera off me. I've literally asked you questions politely which should be your job that's your job sir i'm doing your job i'm just not getting paid for by klaus schwab you were inside as he walked in a bit upset what did you hear him say i heard him say i'm going to paraphrase it because i don't have the exact thing but he came in sounding quite angry saying i'm going to punch him out paraphrasing there he's knocked out punched out but you know he wanted to hit you um, didn't know it was about you until I came out and then I heard somebody else complaining about you to your face. That point I realised Avi had a word with him. Um, now, you forgot about it when you told me this, but I marked you up a little earlier. Oh yeah. So we're going to go back quickly and check if we caught that on audio. Hopefully we did. Avi. You got it? Yep. Ready? I don't know, but this guy's going to get punched out. I just got threatened by the head of news and programming of CNBC. Ivy had a similar confrontation with the Washington Post. Not, not as rough, but the Washington Post did not like us being there and did not like talking about it. It was of a piece. Take a look at this. How are you doing, mate? Why are you taking photos of them? Are you interested in seeing how real journalists do it? Um, I'm not gonna talk to you guys. What, why not? What do you what, what do you want? What do you, what, what, what do you want? You're standing there taking photos of I was just, an interview. Just, just, sorry, my Instagram. I take photos of everything that happened on the Ramadan. I, so I what was interesting about that? 
it's interesting that, that you guys are here and the, it's interesting that Palantir is here it's interesting that the Saudis are here Davos is a spectacle and we're all part of that spectacle and what's your role in this spectacle? I report I'm a journalist here so do you question them inside because you seem to be an invited guest for sure really you ask them the tough questions in there you don't just go along with the narrative what is the narrative? There's a bunch of narratives that they're running. For example, the climate change narrative out here at the moment that seems a little bit hypocritical, don't you think? I'm not going to engage in this back and forth. So do you ask them about the hypocrisy in there? I ask about lots of things. And I do a lot of Have you asked them about the hypocrisy? You can read my reporting. On Washington okay. Post? Yeah, good luck. I believe it. Well, things started getting weird when Avi was talking to the Prime Minister of Luxembourg. And I know you're thinking the Prime Minister of Luxembourg, that's like saying the the mayor of, uh, you know, Tofino. It's a tiny, teeny, tiny place. By the way, I love Tofino. I'm not making fun of it. I'm just saying PM of Luxembourg is not a huge job. So Avi was talking to the PM of Luxembourg and this other regime journalist with whom Avi had had words before saw that, ran up to Avi and the PM of Luxembourg in the middle of an interview and interrupted in the weirdest way. There was a good humor about it a little bit. At least it sort of faked being good humor, but but take a look at this. You're denying that here they, that, that, that there is a consolidation of power, that this is where some of the richest and powerful, most powerful people on the planet come to devise policy. This is where the policy starts, the Great Reset. Those are decided in national parliaments and not in Davos. They all seem to come here and be, start off as young global leaders here in the WEF. What do they all have in common? I, I don't consider myself as a young leader. Or not, I'm Prime Minister of, uh, of an elected uh, government in my country, like uh, the other colleagues, and we exchange here. It's important, we have uh, several meetings a year. We have once the UN General Assembly, where we are able to just... Sorry, is he annoying you? Politics. Is he uh, annoying you? No, it's still okay. Okay, because this is Nasdaq. He's a Nasdaq. This guy is annoying. <laughs> Be careful of this guy. He's annoying. I was a lawyer before. If you need what, some help. Wait, wait. What, 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 what law? What law? Nas might need criminal help. Nas, 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 come here. Two questions. I'm come good, I'm good. Wait, wait, Bro, I know you're at Hold on, hold on, you said... I know you're at this Hold on, Nas, Nas. And Nas, you said I was dangerous to my followers. But you, you push your followers bro. to support FTX. Bro, 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 FTX. aren't you the dangerous guy? You're very dangerous. Yo, I like you guys, man. I like your followers. Listen, listen. I like your followers. Listen, but... Bro, I saved that guy from you. Uh, that's good of you, but listen, I why... saved him from you. Are you getting paid this time? You said last time you weren't getting paid. Messiah, I said it right. It was starting to get a bit weird, wasn't it? I mean, that guy's name is Nas. He goes by Nas Daily online. And he's a real pay-to-play kind of guy. I'm going to talk about him more in a minute. But um, so that's some encounters that Avi had. And I had it too, not with Albert Bourla. That was just me and Avi going back and forth. But when we did our 20-minute walk and talk with Greta Thunberg, there were other journalists along with us who didn't have as many questions and certainly didn't have any interesting questions. But they clearly resented what we were asking Greta. Now, I think what we asked Greta, we asked her, depending on how you counted, almost a hundred questions. So obviously not all of them were great. You know, we were coming up with them on the fly. I'd say we asked her probably 40 really good questions. One of my favorites was why she never protests Vladimir Putin or China or OPEC. And she didn't have a good answer. I asked her, have you ever been on a private jet even once? And she wouldn't answer. So we had some really good questions, if I may say so myself. But one of the reporters who was walking with us was so furious with our questions 
he said to Greta, well, would you like a question from a real journalist? And then he put his idea of a real question. Take a look at that. Greta, maybe you want to talk to a real journalist. Uh, what did you talk to? You, you hear it in uh, Davos, was it successful? So, so that's your big questions. You were waiting for two hours in the cold. You're walking with Greta and your big question that you're going to win a Pulitzer Prize for, your real investigative journalism, your accountability journalism, what all the people want to know, was your visit to Davos a success? And you're the real journalist telling us to be quiet, eh? Here's a montage of all of the regime media's questions for Greta. I, I mentioned that we had almost 100, and you, we've actually got a story on our website where we transcribe every one of our questions. I want to show you the other questions from the real journalists, not a single one of them accountability-oriented, many of them just PR-oriented, like, say, I hear you're, you're going to have a protest. Can you tell me about it? Whoa, holy cow. Calm down there, Walter Cronkite. Here, take a look. Later, maybe you want to talk to a real journalist. Uh, what did you talk to? You, you hear it in uh, Davos? Was it successful? <laughs> message to the people who are at the World Economic Forum? What do you want to, what message do you want to portray whilst you're here? Do you have any meetings with any people here, any politicians, any high business people whilst you're here? Well, can you tell us who you're having talks to? Do, do you think that endeavors, the big companies here, are really um, interesting by climate change? Sort of pitiful. Imagine interrupting our real questions for that. But it wasn't just that they had softball questions themselves. After a while, they started answering our questions for Greta. Who are your advisors? Um, who filmed you when you had your fake arrest or staged arrest in Germany? Those were our questions for Greta. She could answer them or not. She could answer them well or poorly. But the other reporters felt moved to answer for her because she could obviously... They could obviously see if she wasn't doing well. And at one point, one of the reporters called me an idiot. And maybe I am an idiot, by the way. But is that the role of a journalist? Or if Greta could call me an idiot for asking the question, but another journalist saying, don't you ask that, that's an idiot question. And, and they later complain, well, you're asking all the same questions. No, we absolutely weren't. We were following up on some of the questions which she wouldn't answer. They were the ones with the empty questions. Here, take a look at the media party getting a little stroppy with us, insulting me, calling me an idiot, saying we're tired of your questions, and answering questions for Greta. It was getting really weird. <laughs> he's answering for you. He's he's answering for you. He said you had an agency. What, what? Sometimes I wish I had one. It would be much simpler than. Well, well, who was filming you then? I don't know media. You don't know who was filming you in Germany? He said he knows. He says it was an agency. News agency, you idiot. Isn't that weird? And it, it got a little bit physical, too. There was this one guy with a French TV station. He had a big, boom microphone. He started pushing and jostling me. It was really weird. Did you catch that? Why are you having private meetings? Secret meetings. Who are they having secret meetings with? Come on. Can you let other people ask questions? Yes, please. You, 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 believe, in, you believe them? It's free speech, isn't it? It is, oh. but come on. Do you, <laughs> what are you, hey, what are you doing? 
I thought that was a bit much. I mean, I didn't punch him back, but I sort of resisted. And uh, even at the end, when I was doing my talk to the camera, one of the reporters came up and said something snide and then sort of ran off. I thought it was sort of pitiful. I don't know if you caught it. Here's the end of, of that. Well, there you have it, Greta Thunberg walking and talking for quite a while with several rebel news journalists and several mainstream media journalists who sometimes even answered questions for her. They knew the script so well. I, I think the thing I was struck by, and, and come come here, finish. There's a journalist saying we were just correcting you, dude. That tells you about the kind of media that are normally covering Davos. Yeah, it was, you know, talking to Greta was a very unfulfilling experience. Uh, she's clearly uneducated on the subject matter, which is no surprise. I mean, she stopped going to school in high school. She's not a subject matter expert. She's just a mascot, really. Uh, I thought she was immature, uh, which she would say, well, of course, she's 12. No, she's actually 20. She's just developmentally arrested in some way. Um, but back to Nas Daily. Again, I actually have uh, know very little about him. I know that Avi had a contretemps with him. But he's the kind of guy who takes money to do PR. And I don't think he's even shy about it, but... But it's just so painfully obvious he's doing PR, not news. Look at this. You've probably seen in the news lately one of the largest scams in, in history, a cryptocurrency exchange called FTX, thieving billions of dollars. Well, Nas Daily did a promo for that thief. Take a look. Okay, the guy you see next to me is the most generous billionaire in the world, and I found him. Hi, my name is Sam, and this is my story. Sam has crazy hair. Sam is vegan. Sam sleeps five hours a night. Sam lives in the Bahamas with 10 roommates. Sam is 29 years old only, but Sam has $22 billion. And he wants to donate all of it to charity. But why? Well, for many reasons. So, so gross. Um, he does other propaganda. For example, he lives in Dubai and he does propaganda for the United Arab Emirates. And by the way, I'm, I'm, I'm actually pretty warm to the United Arab Emirates. They're the most modern Arab country. They're made peace with Israel. They're trying to be harmonious and positive and progressive. I actually have a lot of time for the United Arab Emirates and I'm not opposed to them hiring PR men. Uh, so it's no surprise that they've hired Nas to be their PR man. In, in fact, good for him. But he hates the fact that we were there in Davos to ask questions of his paymasters. He actually takes his loyalty to them and their money very seriously, which I suppose is endearing. I mean, if you pay a guy a million bucks to be your propagandist, it's actually sort of nice to see him really go to bat for you. Um, whether or not he believes in you, he got paid and he's earning it. So he saw us there. And I showed you his interaction with Avi Yamini when he came in to interrupt Avi talking to the Prime Minister of Luxembourg. Now, that wasn't a particularly important interview, with all due respect. And Nas came in sort of friendly-ish, although it was really unprofessional. But then we had our video on Albert Bourla, the CEO of Pfizer. And we nuked the guy. We just did. And that seemed to hurt Nas is feelings because he is a pro Davos, pro World Economic Forum 
propagandist. I, I don't know how much he gets paid by them. It might be a million dollars for I know. So he saw what we did in our real journalism with Albert Bourla, and then he saw us outside of Greta Thunberg's event, and he got a little bit nervous because if we ask tough questions of Albert Bourla, who's a fairly sophisticated, far, fairly smart guy, how would it go over with Greta Thunberg, who is not sophisticated and who has never answered a tough question in her life? So he saw us outside of Greta's event, and I think he panicked, and he saw me waiting there. Like I said, we waited two hours for Greta in the cold. He saw me there, and I just want to say, I had never met with, spoken to, communicated in any way with Naz ever. In fact, I, I just know him in such a shallow way because I know Avi had a little debate with him, but I, I've never watched his stuff before, but he was furious and obsessed and insane out of control he came up to me he made a public scene he was shouting at me he was swearing at me he was pushing me he was trying to take my microphone and i just said calm down control your emotions he said weird things to me i said you're lying but i didn't really raise my voice or lose my temper it it really felt like he was a crazy person uh here here take a look for yourself and i i, I don't want to overdo it but let's let me just show you i was standing there for almost two, for about two hours in the cold, just being very quiet, actually. And suddenly this crazy PR man for the United Arab Emirates and FTX and the World Economic Forum comes up to me just unhinged. Take a look. I'm Ezra Levant. What's your name? I want to help you improve. You know exactly who I am. I don't know your last name. I know your first name is Ness. I don't. Because you're doing it wrong. You could well, do it so much better. But the thing is, I don't want to make the same why compromise you feel, that you have. Why do you feel so of, uncomfortable? Of taking corporate cash. Yeah, 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 whatever. You're, this is nice talk, but you are doing it wrong. My microphone. Don't, don't do that. You're, you're being a, aggressive. How can I help you be better? And by the way, the guy you work with beats his wife. The guy you work with beats his wife. What do you think about that? I think is that, that okay? I think you're bought and paid your for. You're bought and paid for, my friend. To beat your wife? Come on, man. You're bought and paid for. I, I'm not willing to sell my soul like you are. Wake up. The guy you work with beats You're his upset. Wife. You're upset. That's a form of I've never met you assault. before. I've never met you before. I've never so talked to you really before. you got to be careful. And bro. you're very upset. You're very emotional. Your friend never met me before. Okay, well, talk to him. I, I have no dealings oh, with you, and, and I don't really... Oh, related? No, I, I have now nothing... Now you're not related? You are related. He's your colleague. Okay, well, just take it down. you got to take it down. you got to calm down. Does that not feel good? And you've got to stop being a pay-to-play guy. Why does it not feel good to find that somebody does something that you do to others? You don't I, sorry, know I don't me, understand what you're saying. your friend doesn't know me. You beat your I've, wife. The guy you work with beats his wife. Okay. That's Barry not okay. Slanders. You just said he beats his wife. No, the guy he works with. Yeah, I think you're emotionally revved up right now. I think you're upset. No, I've never think, met you before. I, think you do it better. I don't think you introduced yourself to me in a proper so way. You just want to go and annoy people, and you don't like it when it happens to you. I, That's why you're not even talking. You're like speechless. No, I'm just. So, number one, I'm just. Don't beat your wife. <laughs> and number two, do it better. What a, a strange and angry little man. And whatever you're trying to say is stupid. Very emotional, very over the top. I've literally never met him before. The first thing he said was a bizarre outburst. I mean, you're just... Avi, don't beat your wife. I think you're just a little emotionally revved up. 
He's, you have to control your emotions better. You have to control your emotions better, mate. Control your emotions better. You control your emotions. You have to make You're emotionally out of control. Science, not in you. You're emotionally out of control. You are bad for the world. And you, you are too. And you're just making you personal have insults. You to make people trust the science. And people like you are bad for the world. Calm down, Somebody mate. Somebody has Calm to down. confront I know you're earning your money no, because you're a you pay-to-play spokesman. For the world. Everybody should know about how you, bad you, you are You should the have world. the logos you on you. You, have you should have decals on you for all your you sponsors. You spread conspiracy You're paid theories. to say... Tell me, a tell me a conspiracy theory conspiracy I said. Theories. Tell me a conspiracy theory I said. For the world. Please stop lying, Naz. You are the reason Please the internet lying. sucks. Please stop lying. Somebody needs Please to stop tell lying. you that. Please stop lying. Do Please not stop lying. Spread Please stop lying. Theories. Please stop lying. You, calm down. You, calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Calm down. Emotionally control yourself. Control your emotions. Your content. Control your emotions. You are the epitome of fake news. Calm down. You go around the world pretending to be real news. Calm down. You, you have no You're science, not even news. No fact. You're not news. Why does your name say news? We're news. You are, you can, you're, you a, are you're a paid advertiser. Grata. You're a paid advertiser. So now that you know how it feels like Stop to be touching treated me, like you treat people. Stop touching me, mate. Do not spread conspiracy theories on the internet. Tell me one people conspiracy theory. People like you theory. are dangerous Liar. in the fucking world. Don't swear. Control your emotions. You've got to control your emotions. He's a little bit out of control. I think he was trying to get a reaction out of me, but I wasn't really interested in playing along. So he started to try and whip up other journalists there. Oh, he's a science denier. He's a vaccine denier. He's a global warming denier. It was it was a little bit crazy. Um, by the way, I don't deny that the globe is warming. As you know, the globe has warmed and cooled over history. Of course it has. And I'm not for banning vaccines or anything. I just think people should have the choice to take them or not. And he, he just started trying to denounce me to the other journalists there, which was sort of weird. Most of them ignored him, but except for one or two. Here, take a look. Can you tell me one conspiracy theory? I think you're a bit of a liar. You're a bit of a liar. I think you're a liar, sir. I think you're a bit of a liar. Oh, yes. I don't know Rebel News. What is it? Oh, this is the most far-right news. Probably don't want to say the name. Don't give them any publicity. Far-right news. Spreads conspiracy theories. Like what? What conspiracy theory? Which which conspiracy? Can you say one? It's American? Uh, no, no. I mean, I think around the world. I don't know what. But sounds like, like you don't know a lot. People mm -hmm. that uh, you know have never done their research. Like what? They go around and Tell say me one fact we got wrong. Do you think the vaccine is bad for you? Yeah. I've never said think? that. No, I don't think that's Okay, well, this I've guy never, thinks the vaccine is bad for you. I've never said that, you now, liar. what do you think of him? You're a very strange liar. Yeah, that's just a crazy guy. But he did get one French journalist sort of revved up that I was this evil monster. And, it, you know, I, I, it could be believed by these Davos journalists because I had asked some pretty tough questions of Albert Bourla, the CEO of Pfizer. So that French reporter, whose name I actually don't have, got worried and he asked me questions about what I plan to ask Greta Thunberg. What questions do you plan to ask Greta Thunberg? Well, that's none of your bloody business. Here, I'll show you that exchange. Uh, why are you here? Why are you in Davos? Why are you? Why in front? Davos? Get why out! You? Why are you in front of I'm, the? So you're telling me to get out? Why? Why are you? Who in are front you? Of the... Who are you to tell me to get out? Back to the French news, not to me. Uh, you're out of control emotionally. Why are you in front of the Greta Thunberg conference? The same reason you are to ask questions. You want to ask questions to Greta Thunberg? Which question? I'm sorry, I'm not going to ask. I'm not going to ask to see your homework, and you don't get to see my homework. Okay. What questions would you ask?
Yeah, I, I'm. I'm sorry. I you, you don't get to look at my homework. Um, I got better questions than you. We both know that. Uh, you're not vetting my questions. I know you want to, but you're not. That same French guy was the guy who put his own lame question to Greta in our walk and talk. You take a quick look at that. Greta, do, do you think that endeavors, the big companies here, are really um, interesting by climate change? How lame is that? How pitiful is that? So let, let me close the loop here. Why were our videos ultra viral? Like seriously, tens of millions of views. Is it because Greta Thunberg said fascinating things? No. Is it because Albert Bula said anything? No, he was silent. So why did tens of millions of people watch? Well, it's because for years, ordinary people have felt that the vaccine salesmen, the big pharma companies, and Big Green and Greta Thunberg have never been asked real questions. The reason our videos did so well is not because they were informative. They weren't. We got no answers. Not because we were particularly well-informed, although I think we had some good questions. It's that by us asking questions, in the case of Albert Bourla, 29 questions. In the case of Greta, close to 100 questions. Every time we asked an interesting and fair question, it proved that no one in the last year, two, five, ten years had asked those questions of Big Pharma or of Greta Thunberg. We shamed the regime media simply by showing up and asking real questions instead of, hey, Greta, has your visit here been a success so far? That's just as an important part of our trip to Davos as anything. Stay with us for more. Well, you saw our reports on the World Economic Forum. If you haven't seen them all, we've got 40, 4-0 reports uh, many of them videos, some of them written reports at wefreports.com. There really is a lot there. Of course, the fun ones were the splashy ones when we had a walking scrum of Albert Bourla, the CEO of Pfizer. And then when we had the 20-minute walk and talk with Greta Thunberg, which I found actually quite disappointing and deflating. Not that I wanted her to be a star. I just thought, my God, there really is nothing here other than a child actor who looks so much younger than her years. She looks 12, she's 20. And I think that was the effect they were looking for. Some infant who, like some Old Testament prophet scolding the world, if you don't change your ways, a big rain is going to come or something. I really think that's it. She's aged out of being a child. She's 20, but you don't know that by looking at her. It was quite disappointing and depressing, frankly. But one of the major themes of the Davos uh, uh, get-together, conclave, I've been calling it, is a move off of fossil fuels onto green fuels. They talk about sustainability, even though there were more than 1,000 private jet flights to bring them there, and then the helicopters afterwards. Um, I want to bring on now one of our friends who we often meet at the global warming conferences that the United Nations hosts, and I like his point of view because this Davos get-together, really, their number one issue seems to be global warming, or at least that's their excuse for wanting to 
reshape the world's economy. I'm talking about our friend Mark Morano, the boss at climatedepot.com. He joins us now by Skype. Mark, great to see you again. Uh, you go to all the climate meetings of the UN. This is sort of like a climate meeting plus. There's all these green activists plus every other cultural Marxist and big spending. It really was a UN conference on steroids. That's how it felt to me. Yeah, I mean, that's a great way to describe it, too. And this is literally where, in many ways, the U.N. gets the marching orders from. This is where billionaires, millionaires, royal family, Hollywood celebrities, presidents and prime ministers, uh, academia uh, and the media get together and they collude. Uh, this is where you get your wonderful co corporate government collusion. This is why people like Klaus Schwab brag about penetrating the cabinets <laughs> because they can go to these meetings. And the key to this, Ezra, and the reason Klaus Schwab has been so successful from starting the World Economic Forum in 1971 to this is these annual meetings are off the books, secret, behind the scenes, no no uh, lobbying disclosures, no ethics forms. You, they, you, know, you can have a corporate CEO head meet with a prime minister, president. None of those rules that would happen if they did it the traditional route would apply uh, at this Davos meeting. But I just want to take a moment, having been a student of this, going to United Nations summits and these big international, I've been to uh, the world trade and other things. I've never seen a media outlet do what Rebel News achieved. And I got to say, you've got to be so proud. I, just as an observer of your reporting, particularly with Albert Borla, particularly with Greta Thunberg and all the others and the way, not just the questions you asked, which were phenomenal and the way you went about it, but the scouting and the camera work and the foiling the gaggle from far away, as the great Jimmy Dore, the, the progressive liberal who says he doesn't agree with you, but was in awe of your coverage as well, even, even giving you credit, Jimmy Dore gave you credit for the uh, Canadian coverage as well, the Canadian trucker protest. Uh, it's, it's literally, it, it brings back what people were inspired by journalism for. It makes people have faith in journalism again. I was just so happy to see it. And you, Rebel News deserves every award, journalistic award possible for that. But sadly, I don't think you'll get a single one from the mainstream or establishment or corporate media. But that's what journalism about, holding the powerful to account, not coddling up with them and, and, and pumping them up the way every other media outlet does. So kudos to you. And yes, I'm jealous of what you achieved. I just, yeah, I'm, I'm in awe. Thank you. <laughs> well, Mark, that's high praise from you because you've been to so many of these things, but you're right. And I want to take a moment to give a shout out to our behind the scenes team, me and Callum Smiles and Calvin Robinson were on TV, but you're right. We had a couple of cameramen. We had that special camera that made it look like we had a bird's eye view. Yeah. Like, I mean, just uh, let me just throw one little detail for folks who are curious. Like when we were walking with Greta Thunberg for 20 minutes, which was quite something, our two cameramen were walking backwards the whole time. Like imagine walking on a yeah. snowy street backwards, not bumping, not falling like that. That is physically demanding. It was very hard work for our camera people. And then to edit it and get it out, it really was a team effort. So thank you for your praise. I want to share that praise with our behind the scenes team. Yeah. We had seven people there. And yes, even finding them, like Albert Bourla, you know, if you didn't catch him as he was walking out of the secured yeah. zone, he would have walked right by. So to spot these folks was an effort too. So thank you for your praise. It was a logistical effort, but it was a great pleasure. And I hope that we'll go back next year. I'm a little bit worried they're going to yeah. try and make it stricter. But I have to say, 
Swiss authorities seem pretty freedom-oriented. Mark, I don't know if you know this, but we were stopped twice by police saw, road yeah. checks. And I was ready for a big brawl like we have been in other jurisdictions. But I would just say, look, freedom of the press. And the cops would sort of wave us through. And in the city also, the police were very much present, but they just didn't intervene. And I think that the police have a lighter touch in Switzerland than in the United States, Canada, Australia, or UK, four jurisdictions I'm familiar with. I think the Swiss police actually care about civil liberties and do not see themselves as a political force. It was actually quite wonderful just for that little detail. Anyhow, Mark, thanks for the, the, the oh, comments well, on that. I just want to say, I'm sure the World Economic Forum is going to try to have any uncredentialed media declared a terrorist threat at next year's Davos, so be ready. But yeah, I don't know they, if they succeed, but they're certainly going to try. They they <laughs> just might. It's it's They have a disdain. Here, let me just throw a quick clip in here. I don't know if you saw this. There was another uh, citizen journalist from Japan named Masako Ganaha, I think was her last name. And she managed to find Klaus Schwab. She waited outside a hotel for like three hours in the cold. He came out, he was going to dinner, and she and asked I him. I saw this, yeah. And he, he said to her, he turned around and said, what outlet are you with? And it, as if something turned on the answer. And when she said she was independent, he laughed at her and turned away. Here, take a look at that. Yeah. Chairman Schwab, Chairman Schwab, I'm from Japan. May I ask from? you for? Uh, I'm from Japan. Yeah. And may I uh, ask you for a comment? No, we're, we're on our we're on our way to the next thing. We're a bit late. Uh, oh, I but can thank just you. walk with thank you, you and then ask. Oh, I think we're gonna we're gonna rush actually. But thank you. Uh, Thanks very much. Uh, but, uh, which which uh, media are you with? I am an independent journalist from yeah, Japan. Yeah, no, thank you very much. <laughs> yes. I have and, to ask. Thank but you. thanks me, for thank me. you. That shows the disdain that the World Economic Forum has for anyone who's not part of their team. They don't even respect, there's no transparency. There's, it, you're either a friend or an enemy. A friend is someone who pays the money and bends the knee. Anyone else is an enemy. I thought that little video by Masako was one of the most telling things I saw all week. And it's telling, I saw that, it's telling most significantly because the world's most powerful ruling classes have now conditioned themselves to know that corporate media and established media is all friendly, it's fine, and they fear the small, independent, unaffiliated, uh, you know, grassroots journalism. That tells you uh, what's everything you need to know about what's wrong with the mainstream media of the, of the world today, globally speaking. Yeah, They're there to so. protect the powerful, not hold them to account. What a flip. Yeah. From the 1960s and 70s, when you had people like Jane Fonda and the media heralding the Pentagon Papers, showing that the U.S. government lied about the Vietnam War. So they don't think they'd lie about COVID yeah. or terrorism yeah. or climate. I, I don't understand what happened to this. Yeah. What happened to yeah. these oh, yeah, the, great uh, progressives? The merger of big media and big government is, is shocking. Well, listen, I know your focus. You're interested in a lot yeah. of things, but your focus really is the environment. And I want to show you two clips from John Kerry. Now, the first was actually when we encountered John Kerry. I tried to put a couple of questions to him, but unfortunately, my physical route was blocked by a gate, and I sort of abandoned it. But my colleague, Callum Smiles, put a question to him. Here, I'll play the whole clip for you to see. Take a look. Secretary Kerry, do you think that the high price of natural gas is actually a helpful thing to get uh, people to transition to a green economy? 
I'd love to talk about it, but I just can't do it on the run. Can you uh, justify being here when you yourself take private jets? Can you answer that? But you've taken a private jet before. No, but you've taken a private jet before to collect a climate climate change award. You have done that. I fly commercial exclusively. I fly commercial exclusively. Well, we know that's not true in the past. He famously flies on private jets. And when asked about it, he said it's because he's very, very, very important. Um, do you think he has changed that? Do you think this is a bald-faced lie? Or do you think maybe he's been so embarrassed uh, that he flies first class on a regular plane now and, and just has to chum with the little people? Okay, I think what this is the equivalent of is asking a lifelong smoker, well, you smoke a lot of cigarettes. And this guy's like, nope, I don't smoke at all anymore. And I think what that means is they've given up for like 72 hours and they're bragging that they quit. There was no scrutiny on his timelines. He said he flies exclusively. What does that mean? The last month? I yeah. bet he flew to the Davos on a commercial because he was probably prepared for that after the humiliation he's received. And also many other people in, in the United States, here, our second transportation secretary, Pete Buttigieg, as airlines were shut down for the first time since 9-11 due to computer glitches, has been flying private. So there's been a lot of focus on uh, the hypocrisy of this. So the question is, is John Kerry doing this just recently and will he continue? I don't know if he's capable. This is a man who was once asked about how many houses he owned because he married the, the ketchup uh, heiress, Teresa Hines. He wasn't even able to add up when he was running for president. He wasn't even able to add up how many homes that he owned. Uh, so I, I it's doubt so that easy that, to forget, uh, Mark. It's so that. easy to forget one or two. Yeah, give the guy a yeah. break. <laughs> um, you know, he's quite a character, and uh, he really does believe he's part of a different stratum of society. And and by the way, Mark, you got to come with us next year. It's just amazing. We went to this private airfield uh, that only services two kinds of planes: emergency aircraft for like rescuing people in the Alps, and private jets that's all there was and there's so many paparazzi who hang out there they literally have a special area for paparazzi to stand safely while they photograph people coming off the jets it, it yeah. i've never seen anything like it and we were there for about an hour every 10 minutes another private plane came in like it just it really yeah. was incredible there must have been a thousand private I aircraft. saw reports of over a thousand private jets and it's not just jets a lot of times there's yachts involved and uh, all sorts of, you know, I remember um, a few years back, they had some of the receptions out on the harbor and yachts and other things. So these, these events, and it's just like the UN, when I was in uh, Sharm el-Sheikh, Egypt, back in November, I think there was 400 private jets were flown in. And interestingly enough, despite the UN's push for uh, insect eating and the World Economics Forum push for insect eating, and they were at the UN, I didn't see anyone offering at any of the venues, restaurants, either in the UN conference or out, offering insects to the general public or for any of the delegates. So it's just, that's another example. And that's an important one because the World Economic Forum loves insect eating. That's all they push. And they are one of the biggest pushers in the world of, of making us go back to eating bugs as a source of protein instead of meat. Yeah, we couldn't find any of that in town. And I should say, the only green vehicles we saw were Uber, was having a promotion. They were promoting themselves. And so there were Uber Teslas in town, specially brought in just for Davos. So you could get a Tesla Uber. In fact, I myself uh, rode in one. But all of the official vehicles, the shuttles, the VVIP uh, that take you from the helipad to the convention, 
all of them were big black tinted window SUVs. No yeah. joking around with electric vehicles for the VVIPs, just yeah. the fun demo green Ubers uh, for the, you know, just as, as a showpiece. And anyway, I want to show you one more clip, and this is highlighted on your webpage, climatedepot.com. I mean, John Kerry's an unusual guy. He's had so much plastic surgery. I, I Like, he really has changed his look so many times. I mention that because he says a very funny thing about comparing the World Economic Forum elite to extraterrestrials. And I can't help but think of of his plan. You know, I'm not, I'm not insulting him. I'm just saying a guy who's done that much plastic surgeries to himself shouldn't be talking about being space aliens or something. Let's play the clip and, and we'll come right back. Take a look. And when you stop and think about it, it's pretty extraordinary that we select group of human beings because of whatever touched us at some point in our lives are able to sit in a room and come together and uh, actually talk about saving the planet. I mean, it's so almost extraterrestrial to think about, quote, saving the planet. And if you said that to most people, most people, they think you're just a crazy tree-hugging, lefty, liberal, you know, do-gooder, whatever, and, and there's no relationship. But really, that's where we are. So there's a special elite of people who are very, very special. They care about things much more than you and I, and, and um, it's like an extraterrestrial coming to save the planet. He really thinks he's that guy. He really, I mean, if he was a religious man, I suppose he would talk about being godlike or saving humanity, but I don't think he's particularly a man of faith, so he talks about it in E.T. language. <laughs> I, th I think it's all about him, and I don't think it's about the world. I think it's all about him feeling important. You're absolutely right. And even Klaus Schwab has said, we will, uh, it's us here in this room get to decide the future. This is, we will pr basically be the forces of the future. And what John Kerry was saying is they're the chosen one. He had the same rhetoric when in Iceland, he was asked by that local journalist about why you fly private to pick up an environmental award. And his answer was, I am so important. My work is so important. I can't be uh, tied down with commercial airline flights and sit next to a crying baby, basically. He needs the private jets. But I'll tell you about this extraterrestrial thing, Ezra. The Roswell, New Mexico incident here in the United States happened on July 8th, 1947. And almost nine months to the day later, Al Gore was born in the Columbia Hospital for Women here in the United States. I'm not drawing anything. I'm just laying those facts out there that, you know, there might be something to the, the extraterrestrial aspect of this climate crusade. Well, Al Gore has the natural human instincts of someone who's been studying people for quite a long time, him and Mark Zuckerberg both. Mark, it's great to catch up with you. Thanks very much. And uh, who knows? Uh, we've seen you at so many global warming conferences. Maybe we'll see you next year at the World Economic Forum. Let me tell you one thing that you might want to consider. The World Health Organization's annual meeting where they're going to be talking about pandemic policy probably aren't, aren't, you probably could get credentialed for that one because it's like the UN. So something to consider. That's what I'm considering next because that'll give you all the same players merging COVID and climate together. All right. Well, we were at the World Health Summit in Berlin a couple months ago, but that sounds like an interesting one. We'll look into it for sure. Mark, you take care. Thanks for fighting the good fight. Thank you, Ezra, and great work. Uh, right again, on. just... Phenomenal. Thank you for that. Well, there you have it, Mark Morano with ClimateDepot.com. Stay with us. More ahead.
Hey, welcome back. Some letters. Ken Hall says, hope you are all escaping winter doldrums and infections. We are doing well now, but we're sick before Christmas. I watched the interview with Greta Thunberg last night. In retrospect, I think in the overall impression, she won. She laughed them off, two grown men pursuing her through the streets and ignoring her nervousness while recognizing it just reinforced the liberal view of right-wingers as insensitive, patriarchal, white males harassing women and children. It would have been better to have one of the female reporters talk to her. They can ask the hard questions, but if they don't get answers and play to the opposition by their approach, nothing is gained. I don't know if you agree with me or not or whether you have any influence to moderate these guys, but I thought I would share my thoughts after letting them marinate overnight. Uh, well, fair enough. And of course, I was one of those guys. Um, we're not going to choose our journalists based on race or sex. Um, I'm a Jewish white male. Callum, Anderson, Callum Smiles is a British white guy. And uh, Calvin Robinson is, uh, in Canada, we would say black. And in, in the UK, they used to phrase mixed race. That's how people talk over there. So we had some ethnic diversity. Uh, that's irrelevant. The, the point that you should care about is the substance of it. And, of course, we're larger than Greta because she is developmentally arrested. She's the size of a child. Um, that's her power. That's her only power. She doesn't have an intellectual power. She doesn't even really have a charisma other than reading some lines. She really is a child actor. I've rewatched that video several times, and I do not believe that we were mean or bullying in any way. We obviously didn't swear or push. We didn't jostle her or block her. If you go back and watch it again, you'll see that when she comes out of the store and sees us, her security guard says, would you like me to go with you? And she says, no, no, I'm fine with them. And she was fine with the whole walk. And at the end, she says, okay, I'm done now. Please don't follow me. And we all say, that's okay. And then she says, thank you. So she didn't, certainly didn't like it. Now, if you're saying the optics of it were bad, well, that's what a scrum looks like. It's called a scrum because it's reminiscent of a rugby match. Everyone's trying to get their microphones and cameras there. But in fact, she was worried for us. You may have heard her say, watch out, there's a car. Watch out, there's a step. So I think you're projecting uh, your own worries onto the situation. I think Callum Smiles had some funny questions about, you know, uh, where's the global warming? It's very cold or something like that. And you know, Greta actually laughed at those, although I think it was her fake laugh that she used many times. No, I, I dispute your thesis that we were bullying or mean. And the fact that I'm five foot nine and she's five foot nothing is not going to stop us from doing the journalism that the other media won't do. Uh, there, as I mentioned, there were other media there. Obviously, they were regular adult-sized people. They were just asking really stupid questions that weren't even questions. They were more stenography. So we were no more bullying than they were. We were just asking better questions. Wayne Curry says, Ezra, yes, we're proud of the work Rebel News did in Davos. Couldn't leave a comment on Rumble. You had asked that charming lady, Noor bin Laden, which main entities in the world were fighting back against the WEF globalization agenda. You seemed a bit taken aback by her answer. It's Rebel News herself, that determined little Japanese journalist and all the citizen journalists in the world. It truly is a David versus Goliath struggle. You mined gold during that trip. As Mr. Musk said, power to the people. Well, Wayne, thanks very much for that. And it was fun to see some big shots like that. Take notice of our work. When, when Noor bin Laden said that the answer was citizen journalists, I guess I wasn't so much taken aback as I was sort of worried and sad. I thought, my God, if we're all there is, that's not very much. I, I guess I just had hoped there was a bigger answer than independent journalists because it feels pretty small. Uh, we were tiny little ants uh, there. I mean, there was just, we were so small. I, I hope there's a bigger, better answer. 
Eldegas 8 says, great coverage in Davos. Seemed very staged. Who are you working for, Ezra? CPC headquarters, Mossad? Not Canada or its people, that's for sure. You got to interview all the heavy hitters, eh? Greta, Albert Bourla, just amazing. No security around any of them. Just at for a stroll on the streets of Davos, you are as fake as Pierre Polyev and the CPC. That's an amazing letter, and I love it. Uh, I, I'm not sure how Israel works. I think you said Israel and Mossad or something there. I, I don't know how that fits into it. Um, I can't think of any connection. I'm sorry. Uh, you saw Greta had a security guard. Uh, they made us wait two hours for about, there were dozens of journalists. Most of them went away after two hours. There was a handful of us left. And I just asked more and better questions than the losers in the regime media. And there were police and security everywhere. Um, if you saw my video on Greta, you saw all the police with submachine guns. It was actually sort of amazing. Uh, like I said uh, earlier on the show, the police in Switzerland have a very light touch. And why would the police get involved if all I was doing was asking questions? If I had touched anyone, if I had touched a VIP, if I had pushed or blocked or threatened anyone, uh, there were 5,000 police and soldiers um, authorized and dispatched in the area. And I had interactions with a number of them. Why would you think that the police would stop me from asking questions? That's not how they do it in Switzerland, and it shouldn't be how they do it in Canada, and generally it's not, actually. So I just think that question is sort of a, a really weird question that says more about you than about us. I think we did great journalism, and I can hardly wait to do more. And, I, and to think that the CEO of Pfizer would go through some staged event, that was the worst media day in his life. He has never been held to account that way in his life. And the reason that had 20 million views is because people were stunned to see the shellacking we gave him that had never happened before. If you think that somehow controlled opposition, I think you got a screw loose, brother. Well, that's our show for today. What a pleasure to be back until tomorrow. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night. And keep fighting for freedom.